everyone, and welcome back to the Crash Couch. Uh, we are on episode four of our podcast and episodes nine and ten of season one of The Expanse. We're finally caught up, so we're ready for the premiere uh, that is actually, at the time of this recording, a week from now. So, Yay! So excited. Um, I, f- I finally got to see nine and ten because, you know, I have, I've not. Up until now, I've not seen it, and I've not read the book, so I'm really anxious to talk about it. Um, joining me are my wonderful co-hosts, Eric and Lou. How are both of you doing tonight? I'm doing great now that you called me wonderful. <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> I'm doing well as well. Although I think we should be your crew, not your co-hosts. That's good. Hey, we're, 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 we're in the crash couch. You know, I mean, we should be you know, part of your crew. I, I will gladly be the leader of a of a ship I, I i get to be in charge of airlocks and weapons okay no 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 wait, wait. <laughs> also no nope fine not so much oh man you know i am as excited about the premiere returning or this this show returning with the season premiere not just to get to see the show but so that we can finally talk to you more about the stuff that's going on, mm-hmm. because you, Chris, just saw episodes nine and ten for the first time as we're recording this. Yes, and uh, I have a lot to. Well, I don't know if I have a lot to say about it, but um, just because there's a, so much, you know, in this two-hour uh, time frame. So um, yes, but before we so- get before we get talking about that, uh, there was actually two pieces of. Uh, cool little news that uh, came out this week. Um, there's going to be an AMA on Reddit, an AMA is an Ask Me Anything, uh, with uh, the authors of um, the Expanse series, uh, Daniel Abraham, and I'm blanking on the other's name. Ty Frank. Yes, Ty Frank. Um, I don't know why. I, I think the reason that I don't know that is because Daniel Abraham has a Twitter and I'm assuming Ty yeah. runs off of the James S.A. Corey Twitter. So, you know, I'm not as associated with that name as I probably should be, which is bad given that, you know, I'm a host on this podcast. So. <laughs> Very bad. Bad, bad, <laughs> bad, Chris. Um, but they are actually doing an uh, AMA on Reddit, uh, I think, tomorrow? The 26th? Yes. The 26th, yep. So, and this won't be out by then. So if you, so you missed it. Yeah, you, 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 you missed it this now. You missed it. Now. You already have. But uh, all you have to do, I'm sure, is it'll be on their Twitter or uh, just yeah. All you have to do is just use your time machine. You'll be fine. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Thursday, January 26, noon Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Um, the second bit, uh, bit of news was that there are <clears throat> premiering season two, and I wish I could do this at certain Alamo Draft House locations. Oh man, oh. that is so unfair. As soon as I move away, they start doing all the cool stuff. Yeah, and I, I saw this, and I was like, I really wish I had one of these near me. Because I would go in a heartbeat. And, and you know what? Mission, uh, not mission, admission is free. I don't know if it's usually like that, but I went to the website yeah. to check it out. Um, it is. It is? Okay. They, the, uh, the Lost finale... Uh, actually, every week of Lost, they did it while it was on in the final season. Um, it was always free. The Walking Dead premiere, I went to that at uh, at the Alamo. That was free, too. The The way they make money is off of the food and beverages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you're going to go there and you can sit through a 
TV show, you're going to get something to eat or drink while you're there. Mm-hmm. And if not, I mean, really, it's on a weeknight that, I mean, it's no big loss for them to just have you sit there if if that's how it has to go. Yeah. Um, the, the licensing for rebroadcasting a, a television show compared to a theatrical film release are basically non-existent. Mm-hmm. Even if you went and ate nothing and drank nothing, it, it still wouldn't hurt them. The other people in the theater would be. So, yeah, so it's free. If you have a, a uh, an Alamo anywhere near you, you you really should go do this. I'm telling you, it, it's an awesome experience to get to, to go to the, a theater mm-hmm. and get to see a TV show like this mm. on the screen. Yeah. And we just did a random chatter reunion episode where I had uh, Brian and Jeff, some of the original random chatter hosts on. We were talking, apparently they've opened up another Alamo uh, down in the D.C. area, <laughs> closer to them. So now they get to go to the Elmo all the time. And I'm like, seriously? And I just moved further away from one. Man. Yeah, they, is- they must have like heard that you were moving. And said, exactly. how, how, how can we screw up this guy's exactly. life you know, yep. more? <laughs> well, maybe we'll get one up here soon. I mean, you know. As soon as I leave Connecticut. As soon as I decide to move to Idaho, Connecticut will get seven <laughs> of them. That is true. Well, hey, then, then Lou will be all set. Yeah. <laughs> when you moving? Uh, hush. Sorry. Seriously, though, if you're near an Alamo, you need to go check this out. It's going to be very cool. And and check uh, check your local Alamo theater too, because they may be doing this every week. Mm-hmm. And I think too, they're having a live stream Q and A. I I think with the definitely with the authors, but I don't know about anybody else, um, like on the cast or the crew or anything. So. Uh, but yeah, if, if you are listening to this and you attend one of these uh, screenings, send us an email at crashcouch at randomchatter.com with your experience, and we'll talk about it. No, no, I don't want to hear... If you get to go to one of these things, I don't want to hear about it. That's cruel. Well, hey, is- I, I, I do, just so, just so we can talk about it, and I can uh, we can rub it in your face. Thanks. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. Can you feel the love? <laughs> Sigh. Hey, you, were, right. you weren't here for that one episode, so we we kind of have to That's pay the, you back for that a little bit. No, that one that one was the one I was. It was my fault. I'm here for this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I can just make one comment about Alamo for a second. I know we're on a different topic here, but um, yeah, I was looking to see if there's anything close to us here to try to you know calm your nerves and everything. And I found this one in. Well, I mean, what's the most common town name in? The U.S. Springfield, so, right? There's one in Springfield. Yeah, opening in 2017. Thanks, but I, I where I mean Springfield Mass would be great because it'd be close to us. But but what, it doesn't well, say what Springfield oh, it is. <laughs> if you find out that it is Springfield, Massachusetts, like is this just a joke? Just there's one in Springfield coming soon, <laughs> probably because they don't it's say like a guest appearance on The Simpsons is. <laughs> All right, so how are we going to do this? Are we going to talk about just the stuff from the show, or are we going to go through the shows in chronological order, or do we want to discuss the main stuff and then come back to the chronological stuff if we run out of the stuff? Um, hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. I, I don't really care, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, just because okay. I, I know that previous episodes we've kind of, you know, went through the chronological order, or not the really chronological order, but... Um, the storyline of each one of the, the like the 
the plots that were going on. But again, so much happened at this and, you know, episodes nine and 10 aired as a pair. So you kind of have to talk about it as one big two hour movie almost. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because a lot happened in, you know, the story moved along quite a bit. The character development, I think, was amazing mm-hmm. in these two episodes. But there wasn't a lot of stuff on screen that was really, I don't know. I mean, there wasn't a lot of action. There wasn't a lot of stuff going on. It was just we got details. We we got some juicy details about what happened, um, you know, for the first, you know, seven episodes or eight episodes. And, and then we got huge movements on what these characters have done now. Yes, um, but the the key there is that the details that we got are the puzzle pieces that we had been missing all along. Mm-hmm. So now we can look at some of those details, even if they were just kind of mentioned in passing, and we can put together a lot of stuff. Even if you just look at the flashbacks yeah. with what happened with Julie Mao. Well, let's start with that. I mean, that that's okay. how episode eight starts out. We get the flashback of, it was, I think it was seven weeks prior. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically Julie and her crew on the Scopuli mm-hmm. tracking a ship, which we turns out to be the Anubis. I'm kind of wondering how they got to track the ship. I mean, they, they made a comment that the the sensors on this ship are pretty bad, so that's why they were getting an intermittent contact. But I guess they didn't know it was a stealth ship. So, you know, that was kind of interesting. They they had some prior knowledge of this, and they, they thought it was, um, you know, a ship crewed by people from Julie's father's company and looking for a weapon they were making, had no idea what, what they were looking for. So that whole thing was kind of a mystery. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that, in, in, I don't know if you caught this, Chris, um, it was mentioned in the book quite a bit, but the the crew of the um, Anubis were wearing Protogen uniforms. And Protogen being a, a company that was doing um, the secret work on the protomolecule. Yeah, I don't think they mentioned that in the um, in the in the show. Well, they don't, they don't mention it. I just saw it no. on one of the uniforms. It's oh, okay. Under under lapel or on yeah, the I, I didn't notice that. And th- I'm I'm so thankful we can finally say proto molecule. Mm. Start referring to that whole thing now, right? So <laughs> right, is that is that what it. the so called weapon is called? Yes. So okay. here here's let, let's kind of recap what we've learned. Um, the on, in the Julie Mao scene, the lady after they invaded the ship the the lady who was walking around kind of barking orders at people um, gives some reveals. Mm-hmm. And uh, now off the top of my head, I forgot what they were, but they were really important. <laughs> so pay attention. Uh, but so that starts to put some of the puzzle pieces together about what's going on. Oh, she talks about um, creating the war, how they're purposely trying to hunt down right. this certain ice Paul Freighter, so that they can destroy it, make it look like it was Mars, and Earth-Mars go to war against each other. We have confirmation now of the conspiracy that Avasarla has been chasing the whole series so far. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that yeah, she specifically mentions the cant in that discussion, too. Yeah, yeah it, by name. Yep. Um, so we have confirmation of that. We have confirmation that they are working for Julie Mao's father, who we see later in the episode, mm-hmm. who also is uh, the guy that that scientist slash doctor reports to on, is it Ceres Station? Or do I have the wrong station name? Um, he was on Eros when he was taking the samples out of Julie. Eros, Eros, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so 
Um, that was Dresden, right? Yes. Yeah. So Dresden works for Mao. And Mao is then also in charge of this whole research with the protomolecule, which we now see is basically a weaponized, um, although not well-controlled, uh, bio-agent, as you had uh, suspected last episode, Chris. Mm -hmm. So now we see it kind of taking over Aerostation and the effects that that has. Though it was interesting because in the book, that whole thing on Eros takes longer. It's not that it takes a longer duration of time in the story. It's that we see more of that duration of time. It's uh, mm -hmm, right. There's a lot more going on. And with the, the people who are infected, there was a controversy about Leviathan wakes where people were complaining about the quote zombie incident. Yeah. And when uh, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank came on Jedi journals, to talk about the Han Solo novel they did. Jay and Chris were, not you, Chris, Chris Wyman, were uh, very generous and let me come on to assist with the interview because they knew I w was a massive fan of The Expanse and I had begged them months in advance. I said, I know you're going to get this guy or these two guys at some point. And when you do, I, I don't care what we have to negotiate. You've got to get me on the show. <laughs> so we did an interview with them for the Han Solo stuff. But then after that recording was done, and I wish I still had the audio somewhere, but... Uh, I had a chance to talk to them about the expanse a little bit. And I asked them about the, you get a lot of flack for this zombie thing. And they said, Oh my gosh, you know, of all the things that we've researched for this book, most of the stuff we made up, I mean, there's some common sense stuff like the physics of space travel. And, you know, there were some little pieces here and there that we looked at, but the one thing that we really sank a lot of time into researching was this disease that happens after you're infected with the protomolecule. And it's based on, a real-life form of Ebola. Really? Basically, you walk, after you're infected, you're kind of walking around in, in almost like a zombie-like state, and then, you know, you're vomiting, and, you know, you're oozing out of every orifice, and you're vomiting on other people, and that affects them, and then, you know, they start doing this. Mm. It's, <clears throat> but it moves so quickly that, you know, and we can get into the whole, you know, it, it moves so quickly that it ends up, killing itself off before it infects too much because it, it can't sustain itself very long, blah, blah, blah. There's you know, the whole beer into contagion stuff. There's this whole story there too. But the point is the one thing they researched and I don't want to say the one thing, but the, the main thing that they sunk time into researching and made sure was real world accurate is the thing that everybody's like, Oh, you turned it into a zombie book. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I think zombie? in the book they call it they, they they called them vomit zombies, and I'm like, really? Did they? Was <laughs> there actually can't. a reference to zombies in the book? Uh, that's what the crew, the rest of was calling them. I thought, at least in the audiobook, which I'm assuming I didn't realize from. that. Yeah, they kept calling them vomit zombies. Okay, I and, I and they had a little bit of that in this episode where the you know the well they call it the the pod, but basically the elevator doors open up and there's all the, the people that start crawling out. Yeah, but they embellished it. I don't want to say they embellished it. They described it more. Right. The There's more activity. On yeah, the they were walking around and right, right. And it's okay that they didn't show it on the in the TV show. I, I think that uh, what they did was good. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that there was a lot more involved. Yeah, the book did a much better job of showing you how deep this conspiracy went and how much time they put into planning. Yeah, the the experiment that Eurostation became, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, we're right down to earlier in the book, there was talk about the missing 
uh, Riot Gear from Series Station. And yeah, that shows yeah. up on Eros that the thugs were wearing. I mean... And there's more stuff about the... When you say the thugs, there's more stuff about the people from Series coming over right. here and working as enforcers slash cops. Right. And, yeah, they... they they tie they, together a lot of loose ends. Yeah, they spent a lot more time setting that up for you, so you really got a feel of how deep this went. Mm-hmm. The show's done a good job of that, but not as good. And I, I, I would like to know, I mean, from your point of view, Chris, without reading the books, h- how big of a conspiracy do you feel it was after watching these two episodes? Just in, just by, you know, thinking about what I saw from these two episodes... I would think that it was big, but not something that you know takes. I mean, I mean, the setup on Eros. I mean, how how much of a setup do you think this was, or was this something that hey, they had the opportunity? Let's do it now. If I had to lean just based on my my perception, I would have to guess that it was something that it took a little bit of planning, but it wasn't something that was you know potentially years or a lot of months in the making. Okay. But based on what you guys are saying, I feel like maybe it was, it was a lot deeper than really the show, you know, let on. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm afraid the show didn't get across because from reading the book, it was, you know, this was a long time coming. The, the whole thing of putting the, um, you know, radiation generators in place to be able to irradiate the people in the shelters, to having all the sen- uh, sensor equipment there to, to view and, and watch them and see what's going on, to to moving thugs in place, to getting the riot gear in the right places, to, you know, all this stuff had to take place to get all the pieces in the right points at the right time to make this experiment happen. You know, I think the one thing that really didn't come across that in the show wasn't so much the depth of the the planning as much as it was the amount of time invested. Yes. You didn't get the point mm. that those uh, thugs, as you call them, um, had been basically planted there for, for quite a while. Like there were contracts, job contracts put into play to get them onto the station. Right. And as you said, there were there was equipment being moved around and, and this and that. So there, like I feel like the show kind of communicated as, especially um, via Miller, as he's going around and saying, "Oh no, these, these guys are from Series Station, right? And, no, and I I know that guy. He's a criminal, and and that's our our gear." And he starts talking about the fact that you know that there's more going on here. This was intentional. They're you know, they caused the ship to explode. Well, Holden kind of figures that out on his own. And you mm. can kind of tell Miller had already figured it out at that point. But so I think that they did a good job of explaining, yeah, these people must have been up to something for a while. But the book really explains just how long that while probably was mm-hmm. and what was involved in it. What again, thing- I think, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say one thing I liked is that. Uh, the thugs that we see in um, kill Miller's partner or attempt to kill Miller's partner early on are the ones that show up in this episode. Even even the same guy, right? You know, is the one that we see uh, you know later on. And yeah. you know, I didn't realize that at first. Uh, I was actually watching the um, 
the copy I had had the had the recaps at the start of each episode. And when they showed, I think the first part of either it was episode eight or episode nine or ten, uh, the first part of the recap was showing um, that guy talking to the uh, when he was recording right after he stabbed uh, what was his name something Lock Havelock 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 yep. um, right after he stabbed him he recorded something and uh, sent it out to the police or whatever and. Um, they showed that in the recap, and I was like, "Why is that important?" And then I realized later on, you know, that it was this crew, and that was like their last act on uh, Sirius Station was doing that. So, mm. which he even he even mentions like this is like a, a goodbye to series or something. I don't know, right? So we also learn that the um, the ship. In question, the sh- stealth ship is actually from Earth, mm-hmm. and that it was made at the shipyards that Avasarla's friend was investigating, and that he was almost certainly murdered, not committing suicide. Right. Um, so, the well, we don't necessarily see all of the planning involved in the Eros situation. We do really get a good grasp of how deep this conspiracy goes and the fact that it's penetrating um, core levels of the Earth government. I mean, there are ships that are like top secret ships disappearing off the grid. I mean, basically, we're talking the equivalent of Area 51 stuff. Mm -hmm. As well as, and there was another station before Eros, too. We don't see it in the show. It happened prior to the event's of the pilot, but there was another um, station that's mentioned earlier on about having basically some sort of an outbreak and everybody dying off. Mm-hmm. So we really start to understand there is something major going on here. And when we have, you know, we finally have Miller and Holden coming together and all of these pieces coming together, we see. This is what season one has been leading us to. Everything from the very beginning has all been tied together, even though we didn't know it. It's kind of a, a Joe Michael Straczynski, Babylon 5 sort of thing. So Yeah, they had the end game in mind before they started writing it. So, And they show you the end game. I mean, literally, you see the proto-molecule at the very beginning of the series. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it is, but you see it. It is. Yep. So, I'm kind of curious, Chris, like, as you're watching this and you're seeing all this stuff and it comes together, I'm, I'm curious about what your thoughts as you were able to put some of the puzzles together, and then what are your thoughts about where things might go from here? Uh, hmm. And there's other stuff to talk about, too, that the character development. I mean, there's a lot in these two episodes, I think, but just as a kind of a a brief aside, what, what are your thoughts on the culmination of what's going on and where you think it might take things? Well, I I think a lot of, a lot of my opinion, what that kind of has to do with, and you guys can clarify whether or not the book is the same way, but I feel like a lot of this season was a setup for kind of like a, a prologue to the main 
you know, true, honest storyline of what we're supposed to invest ourselves into. Like, I, I think this is just more of a precursor to anything else. And I liked the the end game. Um, it was nice to see... First of all, it was nice to actually finally see what had happened to Julie and get, like, a an actual uh, chronological timeline of that and, you know, incorporated with um, those scenes that we also saw with Miller, too. And... I'm really not sure where they're going to go forward. I, I mean, obviously, well, at first they they blew the stealth ship up, so they don't have to worry about that. And then, I, I imagine that everyone on Eros is now, you know, infected, and I don't know what will happen to that. Yeah, I don't want to give you spoilers, but I mean, basically, it, it's a pretty safe assumption that Eros is a lost cause at this point. But right. What, but I, I, I just hmm. yes, I'm I'm not sure that I just simply knowing what I know, and I I have a feeling I'll be wrong, but I I'm not sure how I like the direction. Of okay. the way that they are treating the protomolecule. That is what it's called, right? Protomolecule? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um I mean I see you know, we see the I don't want to you know go too far ahead, but that end scene was pretty cool. And I'm I'm still obviously interested in, you know the the true danger behind it, but you know, when you have something like this set in space it's not like you know here we're we're here right now on a planet, and if we had some kind of crazy epidemic epidemic like that, then you know we are a lost cause because it's no matter where we where we run, it's probably going to hit us. Whereas if you're in space, you know all you got to do is blow up Eros, and then you you know knock out a large portion of people that have that like are infected with that. And I hate using that word infected too. Um, but and I, I know that there's you know the other scientists and stuff probably have this somewhere else. But I mean I I don't know I just I'm a, I I don't think that my worries will be an issue once season two starts and especially once I actually read the books. So if I'm in- interpreting what you're saying correctly, it's almost like you're saying you don't really see how in an environment where so much activity happens in space stations where having a biological weapon is necessarily all that effective a thing to bother developing. Yes, that is exactly okay. what I'm saying. Like I can see obviously we saw an aero station how it's you know how dangerous it is and you know just how and you know we saw what happened to Julie too and how awful it is for a person to get that but it just I, I, I see the end, the so-called in-game with we started at the beginning of the season. I just don't know. Like my mind's trying to think of okay, well, how are the, like how is this going to start a war? Um, obviously, there's already tension, but you know how is this going to um, like I, I don't know what the end goal is. Like usually when you have something like uh, right, you know, some kind of like somebody has a deadly virus, 
they want to like take over the world or kill everyone or something. But I just don't know the motive. I don't know the motivation. That's a good that's exactly a good way. right. And yeah, they haven't given anything about that yet. Now, the one thing I think that that is key to this whole thing is the conversation between uh, the scientist and Julie's dad. Um, you know, he, he, he's on the video call with her, with him and he's saying, okay, yep, Julie's dead. It's bad news, but we're still ready to do this whole experiment thing. Are we still a go? And he says, yes. And there's a comment in there that the scientist makes says we can only learn by letting it learn. Mm-hmm. And that I think is going to be really telling in season two. So we, we can only learn by letting it, and you talk about the protomolecule by letting it learn. Well, see, when he said that, I, re- I remember thinking as I was watching the episode, okay, then there must be something good that comes out of this so-called infection. Like, you have to release it in order to get something meaningful out of it rather than just kill people. Um, that would True. be a very logical assumption. Eric, without giving anything away... Um, and I, I still have a hard time parsing what happens in which book for the first two. Um, where do we learn the nature of the protomolecule? When, when do we learn that? We will is be that, learning is that in book two, or is no. it the end of book one? No, it's the end of book one. We will be learning okay. it this season. By the end of this season, the assuming they wrap this season up at the end of Leviathan Wakes, mm. uh, it will. We will completely understand the nature of what's going on with things. We might get some kind of a cliffhanger. I don't know. But the like Leviathan Wakes as a novel puts, uh, it, it completes its world building mm. where it needs to be at that point. It ties up enough of the story, uh, story threads that you feel like the novel ends. Like yeah, it's a it's a finished complete story, right? It's not dangling there. There are some some different directions things could go from there. Okay, but it doesn't feel like Leviathan Wakes doesn't really feel like it ends on something that's a really big cliffhanger. You have some questions, but the story points are all resolved. So I I believe. Season two of the show is going to be like that. Now, they are almost certainly going to introduce some kind of a a cliffhanger, and I can probably already tell you what it is. I think it's going to be the opening scene from the second book, which would make sense. Right. Well, it looks like we get some of the second book in season two from the trailer I've seen. Well, that's see, that's going to be where it's, it's really kind of hard to also tell. getting Bobby. Right. And nobody knows who Bobby is. Well, people who've read the book, but Chris doesn't know who Bobby is. Mm-mm. So Bobby appears to be showing up early. Yeah. Like Avasarla did. But we don't know how early, and we don't know if... Um, man, I wish we could interview them, because this would be a, a great question to ask, though they probably wouldn't tell us too much. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really curious, are we just sticking with this is the second half of Leviathan Wakes, or are we talking this is the second half of Leviathan Wakes with a little bit of the second book um, overlapping it right. a little bit. Because this what happens in the second book of the series, it's interesting with The Expanse, because each book kind of feels like its own... This is going to sound silly. Like its own book, like its own story. Really? I mean that in the sense that there's a different tone. 
uh, Leviathan Wakes is very much more this, um, especially the Miller aspect of it, is much more the detective noir sort of thing. Mm. And Holden getting caught up in things beyond his control and all that. In the second book, and this is not a spoiler, but Holden's crew is a little bit more cohesive. And they kind of have a rhythm going. Because, you know, now they've been working together a little bit. Uh, but the second book really starts to focus more on the conflicts going on between the belt and Mars and Earth. Right, right. And the third book has its own kind of thing going and its own feel, its own tone. Mm-hmm. Then four, five, and six, there's a whole new aspect of the world building that happens. And it has its own. Uh, there, in fact, there's one of the books, I think it might be four that really has its own feel to it. Oh yeah, that's totally yeah. No, and that's. But I felt that cut, was it was kind of like that, not quite that extreme. But I felt like book two kind of had that sort of thing too, where it really felt like its own. Mm. I mean, I don't know. One, two, and three to me felt very cohesive. It was the same feel, and it just totally different part of the same story. Yeah. Book four to me was a totally different story. I mean, set in the same universe, but. Totally separate. Mm-hmm. And there was some controversy with that, too. And a little bit with Five as well, because Five <laughs> five told several stories. Yeah, and I, I just finished Five again, because I hadn't really felt comfortable with that one, so I, I re, re-listened to Four and Five recently, so I'm just finishing Five. I finished it tonight and went home from work. Um, but I'm going back and listen to the uh, you know Leviathan Wakes first before I listen to Babylon's Ashes now, because I want to I want to re-listen to that as we're watching the TV show. <laughs> have you you've um, listened to Babylon's Ashes already, right? If you no, haven't. I haven't. No, I oh, haven't. Oh, okay. So I'm further ahead. You are. Wow, I thought you were. Okay. Um, so, digress a little bit here. Um, <laughs> Sorry. The uh, So here's what we've got to look forward to in Season 2 that we don't know. And I'm going to try to keep this really spoiler-free if I can. But there will be some hints that have already been given in the show. And that's what, what I'm going to look at here. So one of the things is, what is the nature of the protomolecule? Um, as you said, Dresden kind of refers to it as, as if it's living. Mm-hmm. Uh, as if it has some kind of control over itself. Uh, we still haven't learned the origin of it. Uh, where it came from, how it was developed, how... Um, right, they, they mentioned Phoebe Station early on, so we know about that's that. Phoebe Station. I, I couldn't remember the name of the station. Yeah, that was the other station that had also had uh, similar... <clears throat> and then they mentioned one of the stations at the very end of the last episode. Um, you know, when, when, when Chris, you mentioned that they, they blew up the stealth ship, um, you got to remember, though, we, when we saw the um, Dunninger being attacked, there was six ships attacking yeah so we probably didn't get the only one <laughs> when we destroyed uh this um the anubis and also when you saw uh the rosi leaving um eros another ship left at the same time mm-hmm. and that was another cell ship it looked like to me at least um and dresden's on that and he mentions about that yeah it was right at the very end there was a quick little blurb at the end where He's looking at some of the feeds from Eros to see what's going on. He seems happy with the progress of what he's seeing. And they mentioned transmitting files to Thoth Station. Or to Thoth, I guess. 
but we, that's another thing we're going to learn about, presumably, in Season 2. So I think I, dead airspace. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> this is brain is broken. Uh, the, uh, well, there is a lot. There is a lot to take in in these two episodes. Like, I'm glad we're talking about this because I'm learning more. I mean, granted, I, I just watched this um, a few days ago, so it's still pretty fresh in my mind. But I'm I'm kind of reliving it as we talk about it, and. Mm you know, kind of putting more pieces together that I really didn't the first time. So it's really good that we're talking about this. Um, I do want to talk about characters because Mm -hmm. I, because I really liked the way they were handled, especially the development of Holden and Miller. But I do want to ask one more thing about the proto molecule. Um, Well, actually two things. One, the, okay. So the episode 10 was called Leviathan wakes is are are we supposed to uh, assume that the proto molecule is Leviathan waking? That would seem to be the literary implication they are trying to give by titling the episode with that title. Okay, I know that doesn't really help answer your question all that much, other than well, let me let me let me put it this way. Your inspiration there, but let me let me put it this way. We're we're all Star Wars fans here. In episode yes. seven, the Force literally awakens in our character, the character Ray. That that's what I mean by is Leviathan actually the proto molecule, and is it waking? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be yes. actually called Leviathan, but no, there there's no reference to Leviathan anywhere in the story. And if you look at the titles of all of the different books in the Expanse series. Um, they are all uh, metaphoric references. Okay. So, um, but as a metaphoric reference, it would be safe to assume that this, you know, the activation of this proto molecule would be the Leviathan that is waking. Okay. That that that's what I thought, and that's why I made my prediction in our last episode that something, you know big would be awakening right so early on you had pointed out especially in the pilot episode that you weren't really sure which characters you were supposed to be paying close attention to are you supposed to be following havelock are you supposed to be following uh the female cop are you supposed to be following avasarala i can tell you that like from here on out it's going to be very clear and the proto molecule is the main thing that you're going to be following okay like th- this is it now. You you have the story, and then it's just all out from here, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And you'll learn more. Well, yeah, yeah, you will <laughs> learn more. Use more, and then right. you'll <laughs> learn more. <clears throat> I mean, I I'm really interested to see in this series, in series two, season two, how they handle. I'm trying to think about saying this without spoiling it. Um, the interact the, the interactions that that Miller has going forward. Well, that I'm interested to see how they handle that visually. I will bet money that that won't be until the finale or season three. Hmm. Okay. Now you guys have me curious. I suppose. But <laughs> it just seemed like it took up so much of the book. I haven't read the book in a while, but it seems like it took up such a large amount of the no. book. I think you're remembering it incorrectly. I think that's book two. 
Okay. I could be wrong. No, you could be right. I'm, I'm trying. Like I said, I have a hard time placing what happens in which book now. Because I think of those first three as one big story. Right. Well, first two as one big story. The third one, not so much. But yeah. Hmm. Well, and they had been out for a little while by the time you and I found them, I think. So we kind of. Bit. I think so. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. So at least I, I think the third one was just coming out. And so you and I binge read the first two, and then we read the third one immediately after that. So, yeah, it gets a little blurry there. Four, five, and six, uh, both because of, for us, the staggered releases combined with the fact that the books are more distinctly individual. Um, a little easier to keep track. Yeah, well, the, the nice thing is they've been coming out one per year, so it's kind of a nice steady progression. You know, starting in 11, we had 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, so. Yeah, I don't think we're getting 16 books, though. I think we're... Oh, you're talking the years. <laughs> oh, gosh. We are getting... No, seriously, though, we're getting... Um, did they say they were contracted for 9 or 11 books? I thought I heard 12, but... 12? Okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if they actually had an entire uh, fourth trilogy locked in or not, but there are several books coming. Like, we're only about halfway through. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're okay with that. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. So, um... I, I did have a question of, about oh, yeah. uh, the, the future of where the plot is going, but I think I'm going to hold that off because I kind of want to. I don't want to. I don't want to really oh. recap season one, but I want to oh, talk about the good questions. things I liked and the bad things I liked. I want to know the question. <laughs> okay, the question is: I, I kind of feel like this because I'm not sure if I would label. The Expanse, or what I'm seeing right now, at least, true science fiction. People, and I know people more associate it with a space opera rather than, you know, hardcore alien type science fiction that we usually see. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, the first, the back of the first book or the front of it has a quote about how it's like the space opera, you know, that we're, that everyone is looking for or something. But. <sighs> I, I don't, and I'm pretty sure this doesn't happen. I'm just sitting here, like, worrying needlessly, even though you guys have been telling me for, like, two, three years now that these books are wonderful and, um, you know, they're amazing and they're not going to disappoint me. I just don't want this to be a story we've seen before told a little bit differently and in space. You could argue that any story is a story that we've been told before. Well... But I see what you're saying. Like I, uh, that, that's why I'm worried that we about the motivation of the so-called bad guys. Uh-huh. Because I don't want it to be just they're evil people, so that's why they're the villain. I want them to have like true, honest well, development and motivations that you know, not just all oh, they're the bad guys because we needed a bad guy, you know. I'm not going to speak too much to the bad guy, part of it for spoilers and part of it because I think the way the story is set up is it's the bad guys are less important than the conflict amongst all of the good guys. I mean, Earth are the good guys, right? Unless you're from Mars and then Mars are the good guys. Unless you were born out in the asteroid belt and your whole life has been mining resources for the people back on the other planets. And then, the belters are the good guys and are being taken advantage of. So mm-hmm. 
it's one of those things where it's less about who the bad guys are and more about everybody thinks that they're the good guys and, and the problems that that creates. Yeah. And, and the tensions mm-hmm. get triggered by the bad guys. That, that's kind of... It's a great, great way to put it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I, and here's the thing. Um, the two, two different... I want to speak to two different things that you brought up. One, the whole science fiction versus science fantasy thing. I think that it's easy to call the first book or the first season of the TV series um, space fantasy or space opera. Uh, more space opera than space. I mean, Star Wars is space fantasy and space opera, whereas this is just more space opera. But I think it's more because the science doesn't drive the story and the science doesn't drive the conflict. It's about the characters driving the conflict. And the science that's there is in the background. Mm-hmm. It's not at all about that. And there are no aliens and everything happens in our own solar system. So there wasn't a whole lot created for the science aspect of it. Science fiction generally denotes that there are are things going on that are beyond reality as we know it, that, that influences the story. That being said, going forward, I think you're going to see that this very quickly becomes science fiction. Okay. Number two, has, is this just a rehashing of, of something that we've had happen before? I, I think the easiest way to address that would be to sit and try to think of something that this is similar to and what would I compare it to, not from tone. I mean, I've heard people say, oh, it's like Game of Thrones in space, but that's because of the political maneuvering. But that doesn't, it's not the same. It, it's radically different from Game of Thrones. They're just trying to do the whole elevator pitch to try to find a way to sell it to other people who don't know anything about this. So I'm going to dismiss that aspect of that for now. I can't come up with anything where I can say this really is just a retelling of this other story. Okay. And yeah, like not even close really. I, I can't, I mean, it's not entirely unique in the sense that there are a lot of things that, uh, well, I mean, look at the whole Ebola uh, virus thing. I mean, that was modeled after an actual disease that exists. Mm-hmm. But the way they used it in telling the story was different. And purposely infecting people for the sake of science and, and research and stuff is not new. But everything that's going on and the motivations and where things end up, I think, is new. Okay, that's that's really good to hear. I, I figure it'd be my my opinion would probably be different if I would have at least had the knowledge of the first book, right? But you know, I I I, I, th- I think I would call my my worries and my criticisms fair, at least just in the in the form of the, the TV show itself. Like I I'm yeah. really glad that they uh, that they are doing season two. And I'm pretty sure that they was they were always going to do season two, no matter what, because I remember um, hearing that right even before season one premiered that they were already working on season two. So I think it was pretty much always a guarantee that regardless of you know how well it did, that they were always going to at least try to tie it up. Because this would be if imagine if it was just one season and that's all we got. Like it would honestly oh, it- be an awful show. Yeah, that that would be so bad. This would be 
the worst place to to leave things. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to say regarding that and splitting the book up and and that sort of thing. Lou and I talked a little bit about this when we realized when we hit about maybe episode eight. And we're like, wow, you know, they, they really have a lot of stuff they have to cram into these last two or three episodes. How are they going to do this? And then it hit us, wait a minute, they're going to end it halfway through the book. Because that's just such a, a foreign concept for a television adaptation mm-hmm. of a book. And uh, there aren't that many books where you can go and say, wow, the first half of that book was really cool. I'm going to set it down for a few months later and treat it like it's a second story. I look back to another uh, favorite TV series of mine, Babylon 5. And I did not pick up on Babylon 5 until right about the time the finale was airing. And a friend of mine lent me his videotapes. And I binge-watched season one, uh, 22 episodes, in maybe a long weekend. And I loved it. I thought, it now, it doesn't age well now. Okay, this was very much... A, a product of the 90s. Probably one of the last real 90s to do this now. But looking back on season one, it was horrible. <laughs> I mean, there were some excellent episodes. Some of the best episodes in the series were in the first season. But overall, the filler in season one was atrocious. If you look at some of the worst episodes in the five-year, 22-episode-per-season span of Babylon 5, most of the bad episodes were in the first season. And most people will agree the first season was not that great. And, and they beg new people, just make it through the first season and, until you get to the second one. But while I was watching it, I loved the first season. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like The Expanse is like watching Babylon 5. Because I'm like, you know, people were excited at the end of the first season of Babylon 5. And I'm like, dude, you think it's like a big deal and you don't know what you're talking about. This is nothing. This has nothing to do with anything. You don't, who cares about this? Yeah. And it's not exactly the same thing with the expanse, but knowing what's coming down the pipe, I'm, I'm so grateful that people are liking the expanse because when we hit seasons two, three and four and five, I think people are going to look back at season one and say, wow. Okay. So season one, the whole thing was basically the prologue. Mm -hmm. That's not accurate. But I think that's how people are going to look at it. Yeah. And so it's weird going through this being the first season and thinking, okay, we're just getting started. Like, we're just mm-hmm. now, like, now we can, you know, shift into second gear and get the car actually going up to speed. We're not even at cruising speed yet. Yeah. We're, we're still pulling out of the driveway. We haven't even hit the highway yet. We're still in our own neighborhood of, mm-hmm. of store. I'm not saying, like, galactically, but I'm saying, like, just in story movement. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. Lou, do you, I mean, you, you're in the same spot I am. Do you agree with that? Yeah, you know, I, I, don't, I don't agree with you that it is on well, par with what Babylon 5's first season was. Because I, I really didn't like Babylon 5's first season. I thought it was disjointed. It was not yeah. you know, well put together. Um, you know, and, looking and back at it. like that. But but I mean, I, thing, though, like with how there's a, a correlation there. It's like... <sighs> This is going to be looked upon as probably the least good of the seasons going forward. Oh, I, I agree with that, yeah. I mean, it was all set up. It was all development. It was known who the characters are and who the players are and, and where we're at. So, so, so right now we know 
you know, we know who 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 the belt is. We know Mars, what their position is. We know what the Earth position is. We know what the Rossi's crew is kind of doing. Um, so yeah, everything's on the board now, ready to take off for the next next round of moves. Right. The so, stage is set. So Lou, earlier uh, we were when we were talking offline about how we were going to handle this. You mentioned character development. And you have mm-hmm. in the uh, you have here in the show notes um, that there was a lot of it. There were some questions answered and others were raised, and it was a great lead-in for season two. Uh, was there anything in particular about the way they handled the development of um, specifically Miller and Holden? But yeah, Mil- Miller and Holden two. are the two big ones. I mean that that really was the two big character development parts of this this pair of episodes. Um, you know, we saw Miller go from. A kind of a bumbling kind of, you know, kind of the joke of the police force to, you know, he was a a badass killer in this episode. I mean, you know, he had his stuff together and he knew what he wanted to do and he took charge and Holden was kind of just, whoa, (laughs) you know. Uh, And when he has purpose, then he's in high gear. Right, right. So, you know, we saw his character move a lot. And and now we also see him seeing and hearing Julie for the first time that she's dead. You know, we we have him seeing her on the station and in place of other characters. <laughs> uh, I thought the end one was pretty cool, where you know he's like, "Oh, it's beautiful," and it's it's Amos. <laughs> I'm like, well, "That's interesting," but um, but no, I mean his development was just fantastic. I thought we really got to see the character I've been waiting to see mm-hmm. uh, this whole time. Um, and also, you know, Holden, the same way he, you know, we learn he's never fired a gun. He, we, we learn how he's, you know, built and, you know, he has that interaction with, um, Kenzo, um, the, the, the spies started away on the Rossi, <clears throat> excuse me. He, um, you know, he doesn't kill the guy and he wants to clearly, but he doesn't kill the guy. Um, so we learn about him there and we learn that he is, you know, even at his, his worst, he's not a cold-blooded killer. Yeah, and I thought that was good to get that out there. You know, he's not—he's uh, not about to just go killing people indiscriminately to get his job done. Here he is; he's dying. He thinks he's already dead because he's got you know a lethal dose of radiation. He's still not willing to kill this guy. And I thought that was that was huge. Um, I mean, as far as the rest of the Rosie crew and their development, I don't think it was as strong. Because they really weren't in the episode all that much. I mean, we learned a little bit more about Naomi. We learn, you know, she's got some more knowledge under her belt from from dealing with the OPA about the tunnels and stuff on on the station and how they can maneuver around. Um, but yeah, we didn't get much more. I think we did see the softer side of Amos. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he helps protect that that girl. He, he tells the guy that was, you know, using the little girl to to tag along with them. He said, "No, you take care of her. I know. You know. Now he, he knows it's not his kid, but." Your job is to take care of her. Um, so he's he's looking out for everybody else, too, even though he's definitely looking out for number one, you know, yeah. himself first. But he's not really looking out of out for himself out of selfishness. He's doing it out of instinct. Yeah. He's just, he's a survivor. Yeah, right. that, it's, it's what he does, right. Right. I loved the interaction between Holden and Miller, because throughout the entire season you're presented with Holder and Miller as being the two heroes. And then they finally get together and they can't stand each other. Right. They're polar opposites. 
you know Miller is doing the wrong thing for the right reasons, and Holden is doing the right thing sometimes for the wrong reasons. And it it's like oil and water. They they don't mix. And yet they are legitimately both the protagonists, the heroes. And they want the same results, but the ones that they use to get the results are so diametrically opposed that they just don't mix well. So, so I love how they're presenting that relationship. Mm-hmm. I liked the, uh, the way that they they interacted for the first time because uh, you know we've been we obviously know that there are two completely different people raised completely differently. Um, even their 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 origin is different. One is um, Earth, and one is uh, from the belt. So you know, it's it's you know we we hear about this tension between all of these factions, and you know. Usually you might think it's just between like the higher ups or the government officials or the leaders of whoever, but it's honestly a lot of it has to do with the, uh, the, the personalities of, you know, depending on where you're from. And I, I think they handled that really well. I th- this would make a good buddy cop movie. <laughs> yeah. So what else as far as, I mean, really, the, it kind of felt like the main character development moments were with Holden and Miller. You got a little bit from Amos. I feel like we already got the character development um, on Alex and uh, Naomi. Uh, Naomi. I think we, we kind of already got those leading up to this. Yeah, yeah, and even in the books, we don't see a lot of development for Alex, especially until much later in the book series. Yeah, I, I think. And Naomi, the next really chance we get for her is, well, I mean, later on in the series when other developments happen. Well, no, that's not true. We we get some development, but it's in a different context. We don't get development on her backstory per se, but she develops. Uh, in the present going forward starting pretty much with book two right well that's what i'm saying later in the series i, I mean you know we well, get talking it, about this... like when we get to like books four and five no yeah well you get that different you know you're right you get the backstory for her there but you don't get much more of her development as a current character right until book two really so maybe yeah. you see some of that towards the end of season two in the in the tv show mm-hmm. so what do you guys lo- looking back how do you think they did with season one, both in terms of just a TV show, completely independent from the books, but also, you know, telling the story of the first half of Leviathan Wakes, but also making sure that they try to incorporate stuff from the later things that, you know, they won't have, that either they won't have to make up later or that will help us understand better the conflict that's going on? I think it's hard for me to answer that question knowing that I know more about the story you know, than they've given us. So it's hard for me to say how good of a job they did in getting the story to the viewer who hasn't read the books. Um, I have a feeling they did a pretty good job with it, but 
you know, there's things I pick up on watching the show um, that you may not pick up as not having read the books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 the fact that the guys on the Anubis are Progen. Um, Progen is not mentioned at all. I know what Progen is, so to me it makes sense to see that. And I'm like, oh, okay, so the least egg is good for me. Um, does that matter to someone like you who hasn't read the books yet? Uh, probably not. Right. So, so I think they've done a good job catering to both the fans that have read all, you know, five or six books, and the fans that haven't read any of the books. Okay. I agree. It's almost like that's an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet it's not even so much an Easter egg as much as it is an additional puzzle piece. If you are so observant that you catch that, that actually provides you with information about what you're watching. So it's not merely... You know, it's not Howard the Duck appearing in the collector's uh, warehouse in Guardians of the Galaxy. Because that's a neat Easter egg, or Adam Warlock's cocoon in the background there. It's a nice Easter egg, but it doesn't add anything to the story. It's not relevant. Uh, Lou, what you were just describing with the Protogen outfits, it's more than merely an Easter egg, because it is relevant. But if you don't catch it, the story will still explain to you what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. So, in a book, you can get down into details like that and spend more time in things because, again, it, going by an audio book, you've got 12 hours of content there, 12 to 13 hours. Uh, in a TV series, you've got 10 episodes that are 40 minutes apiece. Yeah. So you've got 40, 400 minutes divided by 60 minutes, and I'm not doing the math. So, like, what, six and a half hours-ish? Right, and even so, you can't get that much information across to a viewer, even if you had doubled the screen time that the book audiobook has. Exactly. So I think that I was really impressed with the decisions they made about what to bring over from the book, what not to bring over from the book. Uh, and keep in mind, in that time allotment I was just talking about, Abbasarla was not in Leviathan Wakes. <laughs> right, right. At all. And she had a lot going on in season one. I mean, a lot of it was uh, world building and kind of uh, following the different pieces of the puzzle going along. But um, that gave us information that we, I think it would have been difficult to divulge a lot of that uh, without her in season one. Because then you still have to get those story point, points across, but now you're following people in the government who probably don't really matter. So I think it was brilliant of them to go ahead and bring Avasarala in at the beginning of season one. That was a, a phenomenal, uh, wise decision. Uh, but I liked it. I thought they did a, a great job. Um, we could sit here and nitpick all day about things that were in the book that aren't in the show. And it's, it's fascinating and it's interesting. And if you're a fan of the show, you should go and, and read books because you will get additional information there. But um, the deci- decisions they made, they made for the sake of having a compelling well-paced, well-presented television series. So I have no complaints. I don't think they, they did anything wrong with anything that they left out from the books. So, yeah, there you go. So do you think that season two will be more... Um, I, I hate to use this word, but more episodical or more overall storytelling arc? Because I, I think I think season one was more of the latter, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of hoping that they they lean more a little bit towards 
I, I want them to keep that that overall arc aspect, but I want more things to happen in each episode, so we're not getting, you know, a, a, some of these where it's just like, eh, you know, it was an all right, but you know, it's not really nothing really happens. I don't think you're going to have to worry too much until you get to season seven. Okay. Maybe season eight. Um, then you might have a season where there are more episodic things going on, but even then I don't think it'll end up being episodic. I think they'll end up tying things together. I say that because there's one book in the series where um, the characters are separated and kind of, uh, followed their own storylines for a good portion of the book before coming back together again at the end. Uh, but even then, there are still larger things going on that would follow a, a more serialized thing. So, yeah, you've got nothing to worry about. This is not going to turn into something that's episodic with just slight hints of an overall story arc in the background. Mm -hmm. Season 2 is... It's the rest of Act 2 and it's Act 3 from Leviathan Wakes. It has to be a, a complete story arc. So that's what we're going to get. I think what's going to happen as we go forward, and I'm looking ahead even to Season 3 here, I think what we're looking at is as they introduce a few new characters, we might have some episodic moments. We're going to get things like Julie Mao's flashback. We're going to get things like the coverage of uh, the incident with Anderson Station and uh, the refugees and, and them getting blown up mm -hmm. and the, the Fred Johnson backstory. Um, there are some short stories in this universe, too, some novellas that uh, have been released. And my understanding is, and I've not read those, but my understanding is the contents of those are going to be incorporated into the TV series as well. So I think what's going to happen is um, we're about to get another um, main character, not like a main protagonist like Miller or or Holden per se, but more of a, a main character like Amos or Naomi or, or Alex okay. in Bobby. And she will be introduced in season two. And at some point, I'm sure we're going to have like a, a segment covering her a little bit. But when we get episodic moments, it's not really going to be episodic for the whole episode. It's going to be we're getting standalone character developing moments from the characters as we are continuing to move through the main story arc. All right. This will not be Star Trek. <laughs> this will not be a lot of Babylon 5. Uh, where even some of the bigger story arc episodes were still somewhat episodic in what they were doing. This is going to be, you cannot miss an episode. Okay. That's good to know. Lou, do you, have any, do you have anything uh, you'd like to end with? No, I don't think so. I think I'm just excited for season two and I can't wait to see how they handle, you know, the second half of Leviathan or, you know, Leviathan wakes. Mm-hmm. I am just I, I mean I, I'm just excited to see what they keep, what they expand on, what they bring forward, what they you know, just in comparing contrasting to the books. Mm -hmm. So and I know that may be unfair for the T V show or the fans of just the T V show, mm -hmm. but I that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. Um one thing I was uh sitting here thinking about was uh you know, we were talking earlier about how 
this season might be looked looked back on eventually as the as the prologue that really just sets things up and you know you might not pay attention to it as much or you might it might not be memorable and a lot of people say that about Doctor Who's first season and I'm talking about post 2005 Doctor Who not like the Christopher X yeah the ninth yeah. Doctor um, I remember when I was first started watching Doctor Who which was a 2012 uh, a lot of people told me to that I could skip the ninth doctor because it was one season and you know not a lot happened but that's dumb and I mean not only is nine my favorite doctor but um, I love the first season and a lot happens there that you really don't need per se to understand you know some of the things that happen uh, in Tin's run but and it's certainly with the introduction of the War Doctor, it's a lot more important now. But um, I, I'd say that I, I don't want the Expanse to fall into that same. It will not criticism, and that's again, that's also a good thing to hear. Yeah, no, it it absolutely will not because so much rides on these characters and the interactions between these characters that you have to have. You know, I, I used the term prologue, and that was an error. I probably should just just said the first act. Mm-hmm. And it's so rare that you get an entire season that is a first act, but that's really what this was. Uh, you have to understand where the tensions are between the three groups. You have to understand the triggering of those tensions by external... Uh, an external group or person, as we saw in in the finale here. Um, And you have to understand the coming together of uh, Holden's team and Miller, and you have to understand the kind of the conspiracy developing uh, toward activating the Mm proto-molecule. Those things are key things that will carry through the entire series. It's not going to be possible to start with season two. It just can't happen. If you start with season two, you are not going to have a good enough grasp on what's going on to feel comfortable moving forward with the series or to feel interested enough in pursuing the series. You have to start at the beginning. And the beginning is good, so that's fine. I, I want to make it clear again, I'm not saying this is a criticism. I'm saying that I'm, I'm grateful that season one was so good because I had this sense of dread about how it was going to be taken once I realized that it was just merely going to be the first half of the first book. Because who does that? Yeah. And I'm glad they did. In hindsight, it was the right choice. But it's so risky. Mm-hmm. So risky. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad it's working out. Yes. But that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to convey there. Okay. Well, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a good way to good way to put that because you know i i know you know i was reading some reviews of these episodes as as i watched them and a lot of people were kind of having that that weary feeling of well i don't know exactly where this is going or if it's going to be you know a payoff and i've not read the book so i don't know this and i don't know that and you know some of the stuff's going over my head and you know i i can definitely see where they're coming from but Mm-hmm. I, I just hope season two, I, I want season two to play out in a way that will make me want to rewatch season one. I will say this. 
for the people who are worried that things are going over their heads, the story as it develops will not allow you to get too lost. So don't worry about it. And after watching season two, if you do go back and rewatch season one, you will feel much more comfortable with what's going on. Okay. And I think that's a benefit that Lou and I have over you, Chris, is that we really, we were comfortable with what was going on all the way through season one. There was never a moment where we felt lost or mm. like, hey, what's going on here? Now, the downside right. of that is we didn't have the discovery that you had. So, you know, there's there's pros and cons either way. But you are going to have the benefit of having the discovery the first time around. But then when you go back and rewatch it later, you will feel completely comfortable that you're getting all the important things. And you don't have to worry about what's not important because you will have an awareness of what is and what isn't important at that point. Mm -hmm. People will not get lost going forward. Cool. Well, that will be good to know, um, especially since season two premieres uh, a week from now, February 1st, uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern, right? Is it 10 o'clock? I think oh, it yes. is 10 o'clock. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, it's 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 uh, p.m. Central. Okay. And if you watch it live, be wary because it is a two-hour thing. They are showing the first two episodes, and there's 13 in the season this time. So I didn't know. I don't know if you guys knew that, but it's thirteen episodes rather than ten. Nice, I didn't know that. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Now, is it thirteen hours or thirteen episodes? Thirteen episodes. Okay, so the uh, that's the that's episode. the wording that I read earlier. Okay, so we're actually looking at fourteen hours or fifteen if they do a two-hour finale. Uh, well, the, no, well, the premiere is technically two episodes. Okay, well, that, well, see, that's what I was getting. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. Well, never mind then. I was too optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are called safe and doors and corners. So I'm, I'm assuming safe will be because <laughs> they're, they're safe from the uh, they're safe from the uh, proto molecule for the time being. But who knows at this point? Hope doors and corners. Yeah, Lou, do you remember that reference? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's gonna be good. So. This episode will definitely be out um, before season two premieres, so um, I, I highly encourage anyone that is on the maybe on the fence about you know continuing the series to trek on because you know you just heard Eric and Lou um, you know pretty much quell all of my concerns and all of my worries, and you know if if anyone knows me. It's that I, I worry a lot and I overthink everything. So especially, <laughs> and I, I have a terrible track record too of really getting invested into a TV show and then it either ends after season one or season two. So let's hope the expanse yeah. doesn't follow that track. I don't think it will. It seems yeah, I think you're in safe well. hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah you seem to be pretty happy with how things are going, which is good because they have uh, put quite a bit of money into it. But it mm -hmm. it seems to be returning well. Yeah, and yeah, I, I want to say something. Uh, to what you just said, Chris, uh, to the people who were, were on the fence and stuff, keep in mind, um, if you've watched all 10 episodes and you're listening to this podcast, you probably really are a fan. Yeah. And that's great. And hopefully we were able to allay some of your fears going forward as well. But keep in mind that some of your friends who have watched it 
might have dipped off halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. They might have watched the first season and maybe have some concerns. They can binge watch this and catch up. It's available on iTunes. If you're an Amazon Prime member, it's free to stream on Amazon uh, Instant Watch, their you know, Amazon Video. Mm-hmm. So encourage them to uh, to go back and, and check it out. You know, let them know what we were saying. Hey, you know, I listened to this awesome podcast with these <laughs> awesome podcast hosts, <laughs> and they you, said, you know they're familiar with the book series. It, it it's. You know, if you had any concerns that made you duck out of the series, try it again. Give it another chance because they said that, you know, where things are going, it's going to be really good. It's going to have been worth the investment in season one easily. Mm-hmm. So if you have friends that are on the fence, encourage them as well to give it another try and then send them to the podcast. Definitely. Yeah. Season yeah. one was certainly a bingeable show. And yeah. I, I part of me almost wishes that that's how it was presented <laughs> uh just yeah. because you know i i can see myself watching this live and watching an episode and being really let down that you know nothing really got advanced i'm like well what was the point but oh well it is definitely bingeable though yeah you're right so so yeah next time on the crash couch uh we will be talking the season two premiere uh like i said earlier it's called safe and then doors and corners it's episode one and two uh, one of these days, we'll have a have a crash couch that is dedicated to a single episode. We promise. Well, it's not our fault. Yeah. Well, it is our fault, but it won't be our, our fault going forward. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. In the meantime, you can uh, send us your feedback about what you thought about episode 9 and 10 or what you think about our show in general. Um, and if you go to the uh, one of the Draft House uh, screenings, let us know about that, too. Uh, you can yeah. email us at crashcouch at randomchatter.com. And, of course, you can find us online. Uh, we are on Facebook. It's the uh, Random Chatter Network page on Facebook, so facebook.com slash randomchatternetwork. Uh, we're also on Twitter. We do have a Twitter feed for the show itself. It's called uh, just at Crash Couch. Uh, for the network itself, it's uh, at Random Chatter, and all of us have our individual um, Twitter feeds out there. Mine is just Luseki, my name, L-O-U-S-E-C-K-I. Uh, Chris, where are you on Twitter? I'm at the Curse of Chris. And Eric, where are you? You can find me at Eric Blythe. That's E R I K B L Y T H E. And you can find all of our shows over at randomchatter.com. Uh, maybe this is the first of our podcasts that you've heard so far. Uh, we have a an entire network of shows covering all kinds of things from uh, entertainment news to Star Wars to various different other television shows. Um, if you're a fan of any of the DC shows or Agents, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Star Wars Rebels, lots of good TV series uh, that you can pick up over at randomchatter.com. And coming soon, we are going to be having podcast feeds dedicated to different categories on the website. So there's going to be a feed that will get you all of the television-related podcasts or all of the Star Wars-related podcasts, that sort of thing. Uh, but for now, you can go and browse the entire collection at randomchatter.com. 
Very good. And of course, we'd love it if you spread the word about the show. We just talked about how if your friends kind of dropped off halfway through the season, and you want them to pick up and get ready for season two. You know, let them know that. Let them know about the show too, so they can follow us and get our unique insights on each episode. Uh, you can do that by going into uh, iTunes and let them know uh, you heard about us on there and leave a review. Stitcher also. And probably the best way to do is just tell your friends. Uh, you know, Water Cooler Talk at work is always a good way to just spread the word about a new new podcast you're listening to. And finally, a quick shout out to all of our supporters at Patreon. Uh, that's how we help keep the lights on around here. Um, Patreon is a system that allows us to accept donations from our listeners, but also gives us a way to give things back to our listeners as well. Um, and, and we really appreciate that. One of the things we're most excited about is that we have a Slack community set up. Um, which is, uh, if you don't know anything about Slack, it's basically kind of a, a combination of Twitter and instant messaging and, and stuff like that all thrown together. But it's a, a private community, so everything is on topic. Uh, we, we've gotten to know each other there, a lot of friendships building. Um, it, it's a great experience, and that's open to all of our donors, even the people who just donate a dollar a month. So head over to patreon.com slash random chatter for more information. Mm-hmm. And you can also ask us questions about uh, Patreon if you have you know, concerns uh, about how that works, or if you just want more mm-hmm. details, we'll be happy to answer. So, uh, one last thing uh, we'd like to say is that the music you hear in this podcast is Welcome to the End by Cell Dweller. Um, we've been huge fans of uh, Cell Dweller, a.k.a. Clayton, for a very long time, uh, really That's... since the inception of this, uh, of this network, well, over 10 years ago now. <laughs> that should probably That's... make Eric feel a little bit old, but... Uh... Yeah, that's okay. Because <laughs> he was the founder. It makes Eric feel bad that Eric has taken this long to get almost good at podcasting. <laughs> that's what makes Eric. <laughs> bad. Yeah, def- definitely go listen to uh, everything else that uh, Clayton does. He has um, Cell Dweller, Circle of Dust, Scandroid, plus a whole bunch of other random collaborations. So definitely go th- he- uh, check those out. Uh, but yeah, that's that's about it for. Uh, this episode of the crash couch um eric lou thank you very much for uh enjoying season one with me and i'm glad we don't have to wait a year to talk about season two i know it's a week now yeah yeah. if only all of our other shows were like that too so (laughs) and thank you everyone that uh have been listening um to us sorry sorry that it took a little bit longer than we anticipated to um start this podcast up but uh, we really appreciate the support and your um, your your listening. So, uh, can't wait to talk about season two with uh, both of you and also our listeners as well. So, um, with that being said, take care, everyone. <laughs>